Weekdays 9 to noon on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. This is Cap and Company on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. I'm John the Hood and for David Capson today. Happy 4th of July to you and your family. Thanks so much for tuning in. Keeping you company until noon, then it's Murph and Fred in for Carmen and Yurko here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Phone lines open 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776 is our phone number. You can hit me up on Twitter, twitter.com, tweet jhood. Also on Snapchat, snapjhood. You follow me on Snapchat, I will follow you back, guaranteed. Good to have you in today. We're going to... Um, talk a little bit about some uh, football here. We'll get back to the Cubs and Sox a little bit later on in our program. But always, always, there's room to be able to celebrate the great game of college football, the NFL, fantasy football. What we do weeknights on Under the Hood, we celebrate football because this, my friends, is the summer of football. The summer of football. We're just having fun and we're working, baby. With Jonathan Hood. Come on, baby, let's get it. Fun and we working, baby. Pressure now on Mahomes. He's in trouble. Now gets it away. Are you kidding me? Barkley up the middle, cuts to the outside. Saquon Barkley across midfield. Stater bounds, and Barkley takes it all the way. Summer of football. Lawrence right, flips it open. Justin Ross off and running, and Clemson strengthens its grip on this championship game. Williams in the game for the first time this year for Notre Dame takes the handle and takes off. Let's go. The summer of football. You got it. Work right here on ESPN 1000. I think we ain't there yet. And the ESPN app. It is the summer of football here on Cap and Company on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Jonathan Hood with you. I don't know about you, but I cannot wait for training camp to open in Bourbon A for the Bears. Training camps for college football all across this country of ours. So glad to have you in today as we celebrate the great game of football here on this 4th of July with summer of football. Uh, and so I was reading JD's piece, Jeff Dickerson from ESPN.com. And it was him along with the writer Michael Rothstein on the Lions, and it was Rob Domofsky covering the Packers and Courtney Cronin covering the Vikings. And they're doing their NFC North preview. And and the question was posed to J.D., will the Bears defense take a step back under new coordinator Chuck Pagano? J.D. writes that Pagano is a respected defensive mind, but the Chicago's defense was so dominant last season that it's only natural to expect some slight regression. As a team defense, the Bears ranked first in the NFL in total takeaways with 36, interceptions, interceptions returned for touchdowns, lowest opponent passer rating, rushing touchdowns, fewest rushing yards allowed per game, and fewest points per game allowed. That's all from that Bears defense. Chicago became the first defense since the Baltimore Ravens of 2006 to accumulate 45-plus sacks and 25-plus interceptions in a season. So that's all from the Vic Fangio administration as a defensive coordinator for the Bears. And so now it's Chuck Pagano. And J.D. writes this, and this is what I want to talk about. The system will change under Pagano, 
Chicago has the good fortune of having a roster stacked with quality defensive players, but asking the group to duplicate that kind of success in 2019 is awfully ambitious. I will tell you that I really believe in this core when it comes to the Bears' defense. Before Khalil Mack came to the Bears, the defense was already very, very good with Akeem Hicks and company. With A. Jackson, we're going to hear from in just a moment. The, the, the secondary to the, to the line was already very solid. Khalil Mack is someone that is a difference maker, a top 10 player in the NFL. When's the last time you said that about the Bears, having a top 10 player in the NFL? Well, Khalil Mack is that guy for the Bears' defense. Maybe the scheme will be a little bit different, or maybe the terminology will be different. But I still believe in the motor of these guys. And I really believe that even though there's a lot of things I just mentioned as far as some of the things that the Bears used to do at the top of the rankings and total takeaways and, and some other things, the point is, is that I really believe in this core. And can they replicate what they did last year? Why can't they? Why can't they? I'm going all in. I'm pulling all. I'm pushing all my chips in the middle of the table when it comes to the Bears' defense. If if they're blessed with good health, why can't they be as good as they were last year? Just because there's a different defensive coordinator in the room, this comes to the conversation that you and I can have about how much you believe in coaching, and do you believe in the motors of those players? Are you uh, one of these? fans that looks at the team and says these players have enough to get it done or do you believe that the coaching staff has such a big influence on these players that they can't get to the quarterback they can't do their job I think that Vic Fangio brought a lot to this Bears defense because hey look at the results but it doesn't mean that the Bears have to take a step back or two just because Pagano's there the defense is already set Unless you're making wholesale changes, why can't this defense be as good as they were last year? If they take a little bit of a step back and they're not number one in a lot of these categories, if they're in the top five, I'll take that. As long as they are keeping the offense of the ball game. Some thoughts from Eddie Jackson now. Eddie Jackson got a chance to talk on SiriusXM NFL radio about a number of things. Uh, he kind of talked a little bit about the vibe uh, for the Bears in the offseason. We know how hard it how hard it was for us to come off the type of season we came off from my rookie year to last year, and and right now we know it's hard to, to beat twelve wins, you know, especially in the NFL, you know, in, in today's game. So for us, it's it's basically it's just simple, you know, because now he tells us don't get complacent, don't peak, and you either getting better or you getting worse. There's no in between. So for us right now, we just we keeping our head down. Everyone wants to get better. Everyone wants to. You know, go further than we went last year. Work hard, and like I said, it started with OTAs. We had 100% uh, uh, attendance rate for OTAs, and that just shows everyone that our right, everyone's on board. Everyone has the same mindset, the same goal, and that's to hold that the trophy up at the end of the season. So, so right now, we just want to be number one on defense. That's our goal across the board in every category. That that's our defensive goal that we set for ourselves. And far as a team, you know, it's, it's to win the Super Bowl, and I feel like. Real, real, like, honestly, the confidence we have on this team, I feel like we're going to win the Super Bowl. So the thoughts there from Eddie Jackson uh, when he talks about the vibe of the season. This is something else interesting that Eddie Jackson was telling SiriusXM NFL Radio. He says, he says that this defense, they want to be able to top everything that the 85 Bears did. As far as the team, man, it's, we're a little more aggressive. You know, it's, it's about the same. You know, it's, it's not a big difference. And, Coach Pagano is more vocal than Coach Vic, you know, and 
Right now, he's more he, he's more uppity. You know, I can say he goes big, is more mellow, laid back, and chill. But he's smart. You know, they're both smart. They're both knowing every. They can tell you anything inside and out by the offense. And for us right now, it's just the buy-in, to, to keep our heads down and keep working and just, you know, having his back because he's showing us he have eyes, you know, on and off the field, giving us lessons about life, whether it's saving money, which the same thing Coach Vic did for us as well, or how to sustain long seasons or how important it is for you to put the right things in your body, for you to come in and work hard and always want to be number one. And also I go right now for defense to be number one across the board. You know, and like I told them earlier, shouts out to the 85 Bears, but we want to talk everything they done. <laughs> so that is uh, some tall timber there. You want to be able to reach the 85 Bears defense for sure. Some thoughts there from Eddie Jackson uh, with some big aspirations uh, for him and the defense. This portion of Cap and Company is brought to you by PXG. If you're ready to elevate your game and play golf as you are ready to play it, visit PXG Chicago today to visit uh, and have a custom club fitting. Again, that is PXG. John the Hood in for David Kaplan on Kaplan Company here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Let us now hear from Bill Barnwell, who covers the NFL for ESPN.com in our Summer of Football segment. Um, Bill covers the NFL. You can also check out his podcast, the Bill Barnwell Podcast, on ESPN.com or wherever you download your podcast. Look for Bill Barnwell's podcast. And he joins me, John the Hood, on Cap and Company here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Bill, as always, I appreciate your time. So I'm looking forward to the football season. I know you are as well. What are you looking forward to the most in this upcoming season? I think there's so many interesting things happening with the league and there's so much diversity i think coming when it comes to the sort of offenses we're going to see in the nfl i'm writing a column right now about the you know different weapons that are available to each team and i'm thinking about the ravens and the cardinals not two teams who offenses may not be very good even next year but two teams where you have this this total uh you know these totally opposite concepts where you have the ravens who want to run the ball a ton are going to bring back stuff we haven't seen in 30 or 40 years from the running game in some cases. Uh, have a quarterback in Lamar Jackson who ran the ball more frequently than any quarterback in the history of the National Football League as a starter a year ago, and they're going to play slow. They're going to want to hold on to the football, play great defense, kind of a traditional way to win. Cardinals on the flip side, look at Cliff Kingsbury, look at Keller Murray. That's an offense that wants to throw the ball probably 70% of the time, if not more, an offense that really might only have 30 or 40 plays in the entire playbook, and an offense that wants to go fast. They want to get as many possessions, as many chances to score as possible. So uh, I think just the, the sort of stylistic diversity of what's going to happen in the NFL, uh, and of course those are two of the mediocre offenses. I think even the great offenses have a lot of questions to answer. So I'm really excited about uh, how the league is changing and becoming more of a uh, – uh, there's more of a disparity, I think, in terms of how the offenses are going to try to approach scoring points in 2019. You know, when you and I were growing up watching football, we didn't realize how far behind the NFL or some of the NFL coaches and offensive coordinators were when they had new talent coming in from college. Like, I, I enjoy the NFL. I love college football. I'll watch college football from 11 a.m. Central to the Hawaii game until 2 a.m. Central. So I'm watching because it prepares me for the draft. That's why I really want to focus myself on college football. But the thing is, like, you can see all these quarterbacks, Bill, that can put up these huge yardage in the SEC and in the Big 12 and all these different conferences. And back in the day, that, that NFL coach or that offense coordinator says, well, you got to fit into our system. 
instead of like accentuating the positives and hiding the negatives, there was the, these NFL coaches like, no, this is how we do things, and it would screw up really solid college uh, quarterbacks, and, and it would really mess up an offense. So I, I like the idea that uh, Kingsbury's in place or some of these other coaches that are progressive enough to understand this is what this guy did in college. Here's how he can help us in the NFL. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we've seen with guys who have succeeded in recent years, and of course, perfect example that comes to mind is Patrick Mahomes, last year's league MVP, where, you know, there's some stuff you're going to take from a college playbook, there's stuff you're going to take that, uh, you know, is going to play to your quarterback's strengths, and I think the league is changing. I think you're seeing teams like the Chiefs and, of course, the Bears as well, where it's okay, we have a guy who is not perfect, who has some flaws, but let's give him some time to develop, let's see what we can, you know, play to his strengths, what we can get of him that's going to, you know, really sort of play to what he can do best in the football field as opposed to taking a guy, and I always think of Michael Vick as a classic example where, you know, is Michael Vick going to play in Jim Morris' West Coast offense, and you have this incredible talent who, you know, you're trying to get him to do what you want to do as a coach as opposed to taking your skills as a coach and maximizing what you're going to get out of him as a football player. And so I think that's for, that's for the better. I mean, the league is definitely changing. There are going to be people out there who don't like that Chiefs-Rams game from a year ago, and not every game is like that, of course, but uh, I think we're seeing a league that is, you know, more entertaining and built more around, uh, you know, playing to guys' strengths, getting the most out of the talent that we're seeing come out of the college level. You know what, Bill? I think we discovered a column. I think here, here's the <laughs> column. The, here's the, here's 3,000 words. You ready? Here, write this down. So, <laughs> so quarterbacks that were bust that shouldn't have been. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> you know, based on I, I, like I 35, 40 touchdowns in college, these guys, this list of guys shouldn't have been a bust in today's NFL, I guess. Mm-hmm. Well, look at, look at, it doesn't even have to be a guy who busted. Think about someone like a Jared Goff, right? Mm-hmm. First year with Jared Goff, now rookie quarterbacks do struggle here and there, but with Jeff Fisher, Jared Goff looked like an absolute mess of a quarterback. His numbers were horrific, even in a half season, even given the situation he was in. Now, of course, year two, Sean McVay comes in. They had a couple weapons, but Todd Gurley was still there. The offensive line, half of it was still there. Um, and Jared Goff looks like a Pro Bowl caliber quarterback. And now, I think Jared Goff would have improved in that first year, but if the Rams hadn't hired Sean McVay, if they just kept Jeff Fisher along or hired a you know, a defensive-minded coach who hadn't brought in uh, a, a really impressive quarterback's coach, Jared Goff might be, you know, on his way out. We could be sitting here, you know, three years later saying, hey, Jared Goff is not an NFL-caliber quarterback. So it's tough. I, you know, I feel bad for guys who don't end up in the right situation, but it, it really these coaches, these offensive minds, they're so important and so valuable to a team's success, and that's why, of course, it's great that the Bears have a guy in that caliber, I think, in Matt Nagy. Check out the uh, Bill Barnwell Show. Wherever you download your podcast, look for the Bill Barnwell Show. How, how do you see the Bears, Bill, versus the rest of the NFC North? What are your expectations for the Bears? That's a wildly entertaining division. Huh? I, I really think mm-hmm. there's you know, so many different ways that this division could play out. And last year, uh, you know, positive, negative, positive. I, I sat there in February, and I went through the teams, and I said, what's the most likely team to kind of follow in the Rams' footsteps and go from worst to first? And the Bears were my pick. Now, granted, if you'd asked me, are the Bears going to have that actually happen? I would have said absolutely not. The Packers are coming back with Aaron Rodgers being healthy. The Vikings added Kirk Cousins. They're such a deep team. I would have said the Bears maybe 8-8, eight and 9-7. Eight, and seven. Would, you know, maybe yeah, certainly a, a better year than they had the previous season, but I did not see 12-4 and four coming. And, of course, you, know, you trade for Kulel Mack. That's going to help your defense. Um, and I think there's a really fascinating situation here in that, you know, if the Bears went 
twelve and four again, I, I wouldn't be shocked. There's a ton of talent on this roster. If they went six and ten, I'm not gonna lie, I wouldn't be shocked either. Just because this is such a tough division, they're playing a first place schedule. The defense so healthy, so effective last year. Hard to see that happening, uh, just because so many things have to go right for a defense to be as good as the Bears' defense was a year ago. Um, still going to be very good, I think, but probably a little bit of a step backwards. And of course, I don't think I'm, I'm being, uh, you know, standing out here by saying. So much of what happens this year is going to depend on Mitchell Trubisky and his development. So uh, I, I think it's a division that's totally up for grabs, outside of maybe the Lions, who I think are sort of off in their own universe, uh, struggling a little bit. But uh, I think a division where the Bears could finish first, Bears could finish third, Bears can make the playoffs, Bears can, Bears can make the playoffs, any of those possibilities really are on the table for me. I think with Trubisky, Bill, I, I feel like he's somewhere between – I guess 15 and 20 as far as the uh, top quarterbacks that start regularly in the NFL. I thought there was a lot of sleight of hand, a little razzle-dazzle by Matt Nagy. I think he realized what he had with Trubisky, and, and, and not saying that it's bad. It was just kind of a work in progress. The offense was a work in progress because, uh, ideally, if Matt Nagy comes from the Kansas City program, comes from working with Andy Reid, that ball's got to go down the field. And it was a lot of it was side to side. A lot of it was, you know, five and dime, a little, you know, if, and a lot of it was if his receiver was covered, he'd just tuck the ball and run. Yep. And yes, he can run, but that's not exactly, I don't think that's what Nagy wants. So I, I look forward to seeing if, if Trubisky can improve getting down the field to his targets. Absolutely right, Jonathan. And I think that. Part of that reality is just Victor Trubisky hasn't played that much football. This is a guy who really only spent one year as a starter at North Carolina. And then a guy who, his first year with John Fox, that offense, I mean, there were games where he threw, what, 10 passes, uh, 12 passes, and that was his entire output for the entire game. So that first year, you don't want to write it off. You did get some, some reps, and that, that is really valuable, but... This was really the first year for Mitchell Trubisky as a, a full-year starter uh, at this professional level after about 700, 800 reps above the high school level. So he's really just a guy who we're still seeing what he has to offer. And I think about that, that Eagles game as a great example in the playoffs where he was bad in the first half. I mean, mm-hmm. you look back, watch that game again. He probably had three interceptions dropped. He could have thrown them out of that game, but then, hey, end of the third quarter, that fourth quarter, he was awesome. He was a phenomenal quarterback in the fourth quarter of that game, and honestly, probably, of course, given the kicking situation, should have won that game with the throw he made uh, in the fourth quarter. So the, the tools are there, and where that's going to go, I, I think it's tough to say, but I think they've surrounded him with talent, given, given him a great coach, and I think at this point in year three, this is where you start taking the training wheels off. This is where you say, hey, even if it's not, you know, even if that, that receiver is available to you uh, on, on a screen or on a quick hitch, we want you to throw the ball downfield. We want to challenge you more. We have to see what we have here because now we're thinking about, okay, not only is it just uh, succeeding in 2019, but also do we want to keep this guy on our roster for 2021 when his fifth-year option comes up? Uh, when I look at the Vikings, uh, you know, there's – Someone I know very, very, I'm, I'm very, very close with that thought that the Vikings would get to the Super Bowl last year, and that person's on the other side of this phone call with you. Um, so, so the Vikings, I think that again, defensively, I like what they have. I'm just concerned about the offensive line for uh, for Cousins. Could they take another step this season? Because that's the only thing I'm wondering about as far as protection for Kirk Cousins. 
Yeah, I mean, absolutely. There seems to be a, an offensive line concern there. It comes off and on for years. There's been years where the offensive line has been injured. It's been banged up. They've had some players who haven't really panned out. Matt Khalil, their left tackle in years past, being a, a more significant example. Um, there's certainly talent here. You know, they spent a first-round pick in Garrett Bradbury, who's going to play center, but now you're moving Pat Elfline, who was one of the solutions in general from center to left guard. Hey, he hasn't played left guard in a few years. We're going to see how that turns out. Josh Klein, they added that at right guard. He was better in years past, but he was a mess in Tennessee last year, and they cut him one year into a, a multi-year contract. So he might not be the answer at right guard. It's still hard to say, and I think – they're going to rely pretty heavily on Gary Kubiak, who came in as a, uh, I believe, an advisor on offense, but they're going to change their offensive game. They're going to run outside zone a lot more frequently with Dalvin Cook. That's going to be kind of the focus of their offense. They're going to get back to play action. Kirk Cousins had a lot of success in a similar scheme, uh, running similar sort of concepts uh, off of play action in Washington, so that makes sense. But, I mean, this is a team that, the, the part that I don't get, and Mike Zimmer's a great coach. He's an incredible defensive mind. He wants to run the ball more frequently than any other team in the NFL. That's really what he wants to do. And he fired uh, John Filippo last year because they weren't running the ball frequently enough. But you spend $30 million a year, close to $30 million a year on Kirk Cousins. You have Adam Thielen, Stephon Diggs, in my opinion, the best one-two punch at wide receiver in the NFL. You spend a ton of money to bring back Kyle Rudolph. He's a second-round pick on Irv Smith at tight end. And you want to run the ball more. And it just doesn't add up. This is a team that I think, uh, you know, isn't built to be the sort of team that Mike Zimmer wants them to be. And I think as long as that's the case, you're going to have offensive dysfunction, whether the offensive line is improved or not. Bill Barnwell with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Uh, go to uh, wherever you download your podcast. Look for the Bill Barnwell show. A lot of great content there when it comes to the NFL. Bill, is there one team that you can't figure out? this upcoming season that you are not sure about? Oh, well, I, I think there's a few. I think it depends on what sort of team we're looking for. A team that's kind of on the cusp for me and has been for years now is Tennessee, mm-hmm. where you're always sort of looking at their roster, and there's a ton of talent there. I mean, there's, there's you know, a very solid defense, a very good offensive line. Uh, Corey Davis, I think, is very promising, a wide receiver, a bunch of defensive backs who are talented, who have experience taking the football away. Malcolm Butler, Kevin Byard come to mind. Um but it comes down to Marcus Mariota, right? I mean, this is a guy who we've been waiting now for years for him to have his breakout season. He has these moments where comes up with a big fourth-quarter play, wins them a playoff game. Uh, they came back against the Chiefs a couple of years ago, and you sort of figure he's going to have that season next year, and they, they've changed their personnel, they've changed their coordinators to try and get the most out of him. It just hasn't happened. The guy can't stay healthy. He's inconsistent. There are games where he looks totally out of sorts. Uh, and they've lost coordinators year after year. This year it's Arthur Smith, who hasn't been a coordinator at the NFL level or a play caller before. So uh, it's another, not going to change a lot about their scheme, but it's another new mind running things for the offense. And I, I don't know that it's ever going to happen with Mario. I don't know that he's ever going to be able to take that leap. And if he doesn't, I don't know that Tennessee is going to take that leap from 8-8 eight and eight or 9-7 and seven to 11-5 and five or 12-4 and four and sort of have that season like the Bears did a year ago. And then on the flip side, I think about San Francisco, a team that the numbers would sit, sit here and tell you, hey, they're the most likely team to kind of take a big leap forward from a year ago, similar to the Bears, the Colts. I think the Colts are actually a really good example for a comparison just in terms of, well, the Colts didn't have Andrew Luck for most of, or for all of the year before. Jimmy Garoppolo missed almost the entirety of 2018 for the Niners. Get Garoppolo back, probably in decent shape, but 
I don't know about this defense. The secondary is a bit of a mess. The offense, I mean, it, you know, it looked okay with Nick Mullins, but is Garoppolo ever going to stay healthy and, and stay healthy long enough to lead this team into the postseason? So uh, I think those, you know, different sorts of ways. The, the Titans, I think, I don't know if they're going to take that leap. For the Niners, I think anything is possible from, from uh, you know, 5-11 and 11 to 12-4. To and four. Wow, it's just that's a huge swing. I get it. Yeah. Yep. So, all right. So, lastly, uh, so you're an ideas person, so am I. So we got to figure this out together. So, what is the solution to get free agency in the NFL as compelling and as petty <laughs> as the NBA? <laughs> how does that? How do we get that to happen? There's one really simple solution, and then sadly, it's never going to happen because the NFL owners will never let it happen, and that is to get rid of the franchise tag because in the NBA. I'm sure the Warriors would happily uh, have franchise Clay Thompson. I guess they may not Kevin Durant because of his injury, but a, a ton of these, these high-level free agents, Kawhi Leonard, for example, he never, ever would hit the free, uh, free agency market because of the franchise tag. Toronto would, would move players around to franchise him, of course. In the NFL, franchise tag keeps the best players off of the market, and the threat of the franchise tag uh, forces players to negotiate. And you'll have exceptions. Kirk Cousins, of course, went year-to-year on the franchise tag, but... Just the nature of the NFL, the attrition rate, um, the, the the relative infrequency with which players get paid, adds up to making it very difficult to have the sort of exciting free agent period that we see in the NBA. But you took out the franchise tag, and Aaron Rodgers hit free agency. Patrick Mahomes was a couple years away from hitting free agency. Uh, I think you would see a lot more exciting moves and a lot more movement when it came to players uh, at the top, top tier, with the players who really care about uh, at the end of the day in the NBA and in the NFL. Your column on the NFL offense, is, is it going to drop soon? Yeah, I think it's going to be next week. I'm still going through it. Uh, I don't know, Jonathan, who do you think has the best weapons? Uh, no, don't consider quarterback, don't consider head coach. Who do you think has the best set of weapons for a quarterback in the NFL? I leaned, well, if you asked me this last year, it would be Atlanta, because I was very excited about uh, the, the Falcons. Um, yeah, and they, they're up there for sure. Wonder is, is it, now, is, I said, is, last year I said the Chiefs, and... That that one turned out okay. I've made worse worse decisions than that. I think I had the Dolphins in the top five a couple of years ago. That did not turn out quite as well. <laughs> but would would you put the Browns up there after adding Odell Beckham? And you have Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry, uh, David Njoku, uh, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt coming back after his suspension. You have the Eagles with so much talent, and hey, you have the Bears who have a ton of talent on Mitchell Trubisky. I think there's um, you know, a lot of different options out there. Patriots. The Patriots have to be in the discussion, but even without Gronk. Um, the Giants, even you would Saquon Barkley and Golden Tate, that's a good start. I mean, there's a lot of teams I think you could put in there, but I think it's tough because so much of this off, so many of these offenses based are based on the head coach, the offensive play caller, and, and the quarterback. Would the Chiefs be as good without Patrick Mahomes? Well, I think that's tough to say. Vikings with Diggs and Thielen. It's a lot of answers. That's why the NFL is so popular, because you look at the offense, there's a lot of different ways you can go there with that. It's a lot of ways to uh, skin a cat. Is that the phrase? I don't remember what the phrase That's is. Right. But That's, you got, you a, lot of, a lot of ways to score points in the NFL in 2019. <laughs> the Bill Barnwell Show. Wherever you download your podcast, uh, find that podcast and hit that subscribe button. Bill, as always, we appreciate it. We hope to talk to you in season. Sounds good, Jonathan. Thanks so much. Jonathan Hood. If you know, you know, when we all clicking like Golden State, and you and your team are the motorcade, you know, you know, mm-hmm. on ESPN 1000.
You're listening to David Kaplan. Weekdays 9 to noon on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Kaplan Company on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Happy 4th of July to you and your family. Thanks so much for hanging out with Kaplan Company. I'm Jonathan Hood in for Cap today. Hit me up on Snapchat, SnapJHood. You follow me on Snapchat, I will follow you back guaranteed. Also on Twitter, Twitter.com, TweetJHood. Uh, this portion of Kaplan Company is brought to you by... Uh, the people at Design First want to update your kitchen. Design First can make that happen. Design First Builders is a custom home remodeler that handles every step of your remodeling project from start to finish. For a limited time, Design First is offering a free $5,000 kitchen suite with any project started by July 31st, 2019. Call this number. It's 630-250-7777. Schedule your free in-home consultation. That's 630-250-7777, or visit designfirstbuilders.com. That's designfirstbuilders.com. Valid only for new appointments, only certain restrictions apply. Glad to have you in today. We'll talk more about the Cubs and the White Sox coming up at the top of the hour here on ESPN 1000. Uh, I We're always looking to the, for the different angles on my show, Under the Hood, weeknights at 7 here on ESPN 1000. And so uh, we always give you a little something different, a little something odd. And that's why we have Tales from the Hood. What do you got there? This is your car. My car? I said a 10-second car, not a 10-minute car. Pop the hood. Pop the hood? Pop the hood. Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Here we go. It is time for Tales from the Hood right here on ESPN 1000. The ESPN app is always brought to you by Northwestern Football, Chicago's Big Ten team. Join Coach Fitz and the Big Ten West Division and Holiday Bowl champions at Ryan Field this fall when they host Ohio State, Iowa, and more. Season tickets are on sale now. NUSports.com, NUSports.com for Northwestern football. Tales from the Hood, stories of sports, entertainment, everything else in between. So sports and entertainment is what we're going to hear coming up next. Sports, entertainment, pro wrestling. Jim Ross, longtime Oklahoma Sooners fan. He's the voice now of the brand new All Elite Wrestling. Now, it's amazing. 20 years ago, I was doing wrestling conversation. So those of you that uh, listened to me for a long time, you know, I used to do a wrestling show on a regular basis when pro wrestling was hot, when it was the WWF at the time against WCW. Well, it's coming back now where wrestling, there's a lot of different factions, a lot of different companies across the uh, country and around the world. And people are into it again. Jim Ross, who was with the WWE for a long time, is now with All Elite Wrestling. He is their play-by-play man. Jim is a frequent guest on the show. We talk a lot of football and, of course, wrestling because that's his background. So I asked good old J.R. Jim Ross about Dean Ambrose, who is now John Moxley, his real name, in, in All Elite Wrestling. You can follow along, by the way, on Twitter at WrestlingTWT. And, of course, we got our own podcast as well for Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday, something I do every Tuesday night after SmackDown Live on the USA Network. So, Jim Ross, I asked him a number of questions about this new uh, company that's run by uh, All Elite Wrestling. Uh, so, John Moxley, the who used to be Dean Ambrose, 
his thoughts on John Moxley and how he's doing right now in a new company and a, really a new lease on life. John Moxley is uh, celebrating his new lease on his professional life mm -hmm. with all the information and, and skills that he's developed over his career as an indie wrestler, going through the Performance Center. I remember uh, Dusty Rhodes and I, ironically, calling a match, uh, I guess it was probably the old facility, I'm sure it was, there on Dale Mabry in Tampa, where uh, it, was, it was a Florida Championship Wrestling Show before mm -hmm. they changed it. And uh, we both were, I think, as a matter of fact, I remember now, sir, he worked with, with uh, uh, William Regal. Right. And they had a hell of a match. Just somebody go find it, look at it. It's a really cool, cool uh, match to watch. But it shows you how much potential he has uh, because he was in there with a, one of the greats, in my view. I, always, I love Regal's work, and it's in and out of the ring. Uh, he's a big gift to WWE. I'm, I'm sure they realize that. Uh, because a lot of those talents in the performance center are there because of Regal uh, and his sharp eye of scouting. But uh, Dusty and I call that match. We said, man, this kid's got something special. And both of us, they're thinking the same damn things. Ironic. He reminded both of us, for whatever reason, of Terry Funk. Mm -hmm. And anytime you can naturally be compared to Terry Funk, not you're playing the Terry Funk character. Or you're doing a Terry Funk impersonation like I do in my podcast from time to time. <laughs> right. uh, I'm talking about being in the ring. He's natural. He's, he's, uh, he was loose. Uh, he, he, when, he, when he got serious, he was really serious. He had great facials, great body English, and he seemed to be fearless. Uh, so there's a little to me. Uh, I, I told uh, somebody the other day, I said, he reminds me a little bit of Dr. Brian Pillman. He reminds me a little bit of, uh, of uh, Terry. And there was somebody else I was thinking of, but just a very size. So everybody that used to remind me of those own natural actions are stars. So I believe he's going to be a huge star. That's a great gift for AEW. And now you look at, that, look at how that nucleus is starting to come together. I've always preached about the nucleus of your locker room, and you build your core. And we built a great core in an attitude era that is still serving us the WWE to this very day. Uh, and now the chances for the uh, AEW to build the same type of core, young, talented, athletic, and they damn sure want to be good. Not just good, they want to be great. So I'm, I'm, in, I'm in a good spot, Jonathan. I'm the oldest guy on the team, I guess, at 67, which doesn't bother me a bit. And, you know, I don't need a, I don't need a, a you know, a fundraiser. I'm good. <laughs> and, you know, I'm fine. I really am. Yes. And I, and I, and I, and I know that I'm not, uh, people say, well, he's not as same as he was. Well, I don't know who is at this, you know, your life changes. Mm -hmm. uh, but I can tell you this, I only focus about how, being the very best I can every time out to the very best of my ability on that day. And, uh, and so I, I, I love what I'm doing. So I'm, I'm very blessed that Tony Khan hired me and brought me in and, and, uh, I can't wait till we go to work again. You know, that's the thing about, this is a little different schedule. We didn't do Raw the next night. Right. But you travel anywhere the next night. And as it goes, as it goes on, wrestlers and other companies are going to realize we can make a lot of money there and we can see our family a lot more and there's there's things that, we're, that they're going to do administratively that, that are going to be better for communication I think uh, they're younger the, the decision makers are young cats man Tony Khan's a young kid mm -hmm. you know in my eyes Hell, I, got, I got ties over to all the VPs <laughs> right <laughs> Just my, uh, I uh, somebody said uh, said, well, Jared, if you had a chance to 
date an older woman or a younger woman, what would you do? I said, well, that's pretty, yeah, that's pretty simple. I'd date the younger woman because I can feed off her energy. They'll see in, in, in improve my quality of life through that energy, like an old coach does around a player or players. Anything that's young, you're influenced by youth. It's not a bad thing in my view. And that's what's so great about working with these guys. You know, Tony's a young lion. He's brilliant. Uh, you know, Cody and the Bucks, Kenny Omega, the top of their game, mentally and physically. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm digging the rub, man. I'm, I'm happy that I'm there, and, and I want to be able to play it forward. I want to make Excalibur uh, not only a, a, he's great now, but he'll be a lot better in, in time because we're, he's got an unlimited amount of ability. He can be a real star in that role. And Alex is a unique uh, broadcaster that is, you know, I wanted him in that, uh, when we talked about this, everybody had a role, and we still do, uh, but where Alex is going to be calling my, uh, uh, on the team, uh, Jay Glazer, mm -hmm. the insider kind of guy, you know, Alex all those years still doing the NFL on, on Sirius. And then uh, Excalibur, being the retired ex-wrestler, would be the wrestling guy, the color guy. Mm -hmm. uh, then OJR would try to hang in there and do some play-by-play. So, but it's challenging. I don't know how many three-man boosts you've worked in in your lifetime. I, uh, but in some areas, it's not bad if you're doing it like a talk show. If you're doing play-by-play -play and it's live and there's no, you're not taping it, you're, you're going, it can be awkward. I'm just telling you, it can be awkward. So we have a lot of work to do to make sure our broadcast doesn't get too busy and doesn't sound awkward. And I can tell those guys, that none of us can pay by the word, and if you are, let me know. I'll already do my deal. Right, right, right. Jim Ross, the voice of AEW Wrestling. With me, Jonathan Hood, on Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday on ESPN 1000 Chicago and the Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday podcast. So I, I've been seeing this. I'm sure you've seen this as well. WWE superstars openly rooting for AEW on Twitter uh, before and after the event. And, of course, on Monday Night Raw, we saw Sami Zayn mention AEW. How does that uh, go over with the chairman um, and, and Triple H when that happens? Well, you know, I my, my guess is, Jonathan, not well. I got a feeling Sami Zayn went to business for himself. And uh, as a result, uh, it wasn't valuable content because they edited it out of the uh, YouTube show. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'm... Uh, I'm thinking it wasn't looked upon with fond eyes. Uh, I don't plan on ever missing WWE on our show. Right. I got I got no access there. I'm not mad at anybody there. I had 26 great years there. Investment man made me uh, very financially stable, and I owe him for that. I always will. So I don't plan on going to. I don't know why I would waste my time talking about their product when I have talents of our own to help get over. And I'm going to waste that time on something else other than our guys. This doesn't make any common sense. And that's not what I'm not there for that. So he's like, what Alex and Excalibur do? I ain't got no clue. I'm not their producer. But I'm not going there. This doesn't seem like it's good for us. But I, I, I know, look, there are a lot of talents. It's a small world that these wrestlers live in. It's a small community. And a lot of them even live near each other, to be literal about community. And so... Just because all the wrestling fans, uh, wrestling friends, have are not all in WWE with them. They were they're some probably in Ring of Honor, MLW, maybe uh, uh, certainly uh, you know Impact. 
and, and now, you know, Japan and us now. So I think it's just a lot of just friendly stuff. And they're happy about their friends having work and good work and making a lot of money and, and having a slot to become making even more money and become a bigger star on national television. You know, that uh, TNT clearance that uh, Tony secured for our company, is a that's a big get, man. That's a, that's a big deal. That's not, you know, you don't have to go find TNT. It's pretty... It's very well. It's a very well traveled network, and with all their sports, including the NBA and baseball and so forth, uh, they're 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 rebranding their their network, and and we're a big part of that rebrand. As it seems to me, I'm, I'm no official rebrand, but you know they're doing a lot more sports than they've ever done. My point, right? So I, I'm, uh, and, and they have a chance now. These 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 wrestlers who get on there and uh, and let their the product be seen by a huge audience and become bigger stars. Market more products, sell more tickets, establish more tenure. It's, it's more security for their family that they get to see more often. So there's no doubt that there's going to be a lot of movement coming up the next few years. There's just, it's, it's inevitable. And it's not to say that somebody from AEW might jump to WWE. You never know. It's all about the money. When people say it's not about the money, count, hey, count on it. It's all about the money. The I- two big C's in wrestling, Jonathan, will never change. Anybody listens to my podcast that drops every Thursday morning at 6 o'clock will know. Cash and creative are the kings. If the issues in wrestling are normally about one of the two C's, cash or creative. You got those two uh, addressed and you feel good about both of them, you're way down the road on a good agreement. Jonathan Hood. Because all we trying to do is do good. Put on my hood when I walk through hoods. On ESPN 1000. You are listening to David Kaplan, weekdays 9 to noon on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Kaplan Company on ESPN 1000 the ESPN app. Jonathan Hood in for Cap today. Happy 4th to you and your family. Thanks so much for checking out the show. We will talk about the Cubs and Sox coming up at the top of the hour right here on ESPN 1000. You know, it is interesting in 2019 how many sports fans look at at sports as far as the temperament of athletes. You see this in the NBA. You see this in the NFL. You see this in the National Hockey League uh, where you have players that are trying to get themselves into a game by doing things. They try to get the crowd into the game, raising their arms or celebrating. And again, it doesn't bother me as a sports fan because I understand that if you have worked all week worked all month, worked all year on certain things that you want to excel in. Yeah, you have to have that feeling of celebration. Like, man, I can't believe I did this. After putting all this work in, I finally did it. But there is a pushback culturally when it comes to Major League Baseball. There is going to be those that watch Major League Baseball and believe that you've got to, quote-unquote, play like you've been there before. Do, you know, Continue to do what you do like you've done it many, many times. There's a little flair in baseball, and there is a cultural um, pushback when it comes to certain players when they flip their bat or when they hit a home run or when they make a great play. I do believe that in some ways baseball should be like the World Baseball Classic. It should not be dull. You should be able to be into it as fans, and, and you want to know that the players on the field feel the energy from the crowd. However, when keeping it real goes wrong, is what happened yesterday with Javi Baez. Javi has all the swag you can want. He has got everything that you want in a baseball player. However, that swag does come back to bite you at times. As as David Kaplan talked about on NBC uh, Sports Chicago after the game, 
Javi Baez thought he hit a home run. He just kind of just looks at it, just kind of jogs down the first. The ball hits the wall, and it becomes a long single in that big ballpark at PNC against the Pirates last night. Here's Cap talking about it yesterday. You're in a one-run game. You had a team meeting Monday night, players only, and you got beat 18-5. to The next night, last night, you had a meeting with the manager and the entire team. He does one at the end of spring training, or right at the end. He does one before the All-Star break and one at the end of the season, hopefully going into the playoffs. That's it. He's not a big meetings guy. At yesterday's meeting, he told the media, and players have said, we didn't talk about specific plays, but we talked about big-picture concepts, cleaning up mental mistakes, better base running, all of it. Okay, from that meeting, Hayward got picked off first last night. And tonight, in a one-run game where you're, you need a win like a starving man needs a sandwich, yeah. and you got a guy that doesn't run on a ball off the wall and he's standing at first, for me, and I love yeah. Javi, okay. he would not be in the lineup tomorrow night. Wow. That would send a message to the entire locker room. Guys, I'm through screwing around. Wow. He's out for a night. And I'm going to tell you, I'm telling the media why. Because he didn't run, it's happened too much, and it's not going to happen again. I am not going to go down and lose my job with guys not playing the game the right way. I'd be really freaking pissed off. This team is going this way. At some point, there has to be a level of accountability. You're 100% right. I, I agree with everything you said, but is that the right way to do it? And I know that they're continuing to... Give me another way. Take the remote away. Don't let him play video games. I mean, what's the – What? give me a way there's, to do it. There's, there is no other way, kid. The only I, way you reach athletes is take their freaking playing time away. He's a great player. He's an all-star. This cannot mm, keep happening. Mm, mm. I, I like what you said. I like what you said. It's a one-day really message. Nothing. I'm not asking to bench him for a month. One day. You're not playing. And guess what, media? He's not playing because he didn't run, and I'm tired of it. Oof. So the thoughts there from David Kaplan on NBC Sports Chicago. He did the post game last night, and he's 100% right. You see, you can have all the swag that you want. However, when you have a high fly ball and you think it's a home run and becomes a single, it's magnified 100%. Guys still got to be able to hustle, even in Major League Baseball. And you can hustle and have swag. How about that? More Cubs and Sox talk coming up next on Kaplan Company. Listening to Jonathan Hood. I'm all in my bag as hard as it gets. On ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app.